0: People don't want to choose anymore if they are pursuing a job with a purpose or if they are earning money. Mostly Awesome, a podcast about the wins and fails of innovators brought to you by CDTM
1: in Munich. Welcome back to Mostly Awesome. In the second episode of this season, we are talking to Anna Alex, co-founder of Planetly and Outfittery. Two startups you might have heard of before. If not, we'll get to them in a minute. For her endeavors, Anna was named to be underneath the young elite top 40 under 40. But actually, before all of that, Anna studied economics and psychology. She learned about the startup scene during her time at Rocket Internet. Beginning of 2012, Anna decided she wanted to give it a shot and found it together with one of her best friends, Julia Bösch. Their fashion startup, Outfittery, eventually became Europe's biggest personal shopping service tailored for men. With one million customers in eight nations, it is quite a success. In 2019, Anna took a break to spend time with her family and gave birth to her second child. Also around that time, Anna became part of the climate initiative Leaders for Climate Action and started to think more and more about the topic. Finally, in 2020, she founded Planetly, together with Benedikt Franke. Planetly helps companies to accurately determine their carbon footprint and to reduce their CO2 emission effectively. Shortly before Corona, they closed a large financing round and have been busy ever since. With Lisa and me both being active in the CDTM Climate Club, we were super excited to learn more about Anna's personal journey up to now.
2: So before we finally start into our talk with Anna, let me briefly introduce you to what awaits you in this episode. So in block one, we ask Anna how she became an entrepreneur and why she would not recommend graduates to go into consulting or venture capital if they went to found their own company eventually. In block two, we talk about Anna's current endeavor planetly, how it unites purpose and profit and what purpose actually means for Anna. And also we asked her if she would found Adfittery again. Uh, we got quite an interesting answer there. And in our last blog, we talk about female leadership and how Anna used the additional attention she got as a woman, but also why she's frustrated about the stagnating numbers of female founders. As always, the toolbox, we hear about Anna's favorite book, app, podcast, routine, and innovator. And now let's listen into an exciting conversation with Anna Alex.
1: So that being said... Welcome, Anna, to our Mostly Awesome podcast. We're very thrilled to have you here today. We start off right with the first topic and Lisa, maybe you can introduce that to us.
2: Yeah, thanks, Tim. Very warm welcome also from my side, Anna. We're super glad to have you here and um, starting right into this. So after finishing university, you first went to Rocket, right? And then right after this, you immediately founded your own startup in 2012 and started with Outfittery. So what drove you to to become a founder initially? And what attracted you to entrepreneurship in the first place?
0: Yes. So the journey towards becoming a founder wasn't that straightforward as it might look like from the outside. And I think this is, an important point that most of the personal journeys aren't very straightforward, but always including trial and error. And this trial and error for me was while I was studying, I did an internship with one of the big four tax consultancies in Frankfurt in the tax department. And it was the worst three months of my life. I was extremely unhappy due to the internal politics due to the feeling of not being able to really execute on my ideas due to having like seeing all these inefficiencies internally so as one example it was summer it was 35 degree or something but the internal politics requires us to not wear any short sleeves for men, for example. So you always needed to wear your shirt and your jacket, no matter what the temperatures was. And it was like, wait a second, that all doesn't make sense. And I really felt that this is not my world. So after this internship, I was really devastated when I thought about the idea that my 40 next years of working should look like this (laughs) so i complained and talked about it with a friend of mine who studied at the whu back then so i think one of the universities that was quite early on with connected with a startup scene and entrepreneurship and then he said like why don't you do an internship in a startup and i was like okay what is a startup kind of right so back then like Working in a startup definitely wasn't a a good career path. My family said, like, what is that, right? Uh, That's super insecure. It's a small company. They can be insolvent tomorrow. So this is not a valid career path. But I always followed my own head. So I did then and did my next internship at Smava, one of the first fintech startups in Germany. That was in 2008. And I loved it. I loved the energy. I loved the people. I loved to be not treated as an intern but treated as a young person with a lot of ideas. The founder is still a really good friend of mine today and as well investor in Planetly now, which made me really proud to close the cycle here and yeah, so I just loved my times at Smava. And this was my way into the startup scene and I've never left it since then. And maybe to add one personal note on that, I didn't only fall in love with the startup scene and with the energy and the people in there, but back then as well with a junior product manager at Smava, who is today my husband and father of two children.
1: Uh All right. Yeah, that is actually quite a personal story. Glad to hear that it turned out that way. Um, So if I understood you correctly, you really didn't like the rules and regulations that kind of kept you from doing what you really loved. But I could imagine there's still a difference in just working in a startup scene and actually being a founder on your own. So what made you do this additional step and say, okay, I just don't want to work here in the startup scene, but I actually want to found and lead my own company.
0: Mm, So after... I started working for Smava. I then did my thesis on the network effects of startups and investors and the social network effects. My assumption back then was that two investors have a common connection when they are on the same board with one in one startup. So then they know each other and I wanted to understand how the whole scene is working not only from an economical standpoint, but as well from a social standpoint, looking at the social networks and the social connections between the people in there. And during this thesis, I did some quantitative work, but as well some qualitative work and interviews with investors. And one of the investors I interviewed was Rocket Internet or back then the European Founders Fund, which was the investment vehicle of the Samba Brothers. And so I did my interview for my thesis with them. And I think right the same day, they offered me a job and said, hey, when you have your thesis ready, come and work for us. And that was 2008, 2009, so really early days in the startup scene at Rocket Internet. Back then we were like 25 people and really kind of the crazy times of the internet. And then I worked for Rocket for two years. And what I've learned was that they are kind of like, in Germany, you would say cooking with water as well so it's not a rocket science literally right to found a company and i thought like hey when they can do it i can do it as well so i talked to my friend julia who i met uh, working for rocket at uh, working for zalando so zalando back then was only one of the rocket projects right so and i said like hey If they can do it, we can do it as well. Let's found a company together. And yeah, I was very pushy about this idea. I remember like Julia told me, ah, let's wait another year. Let's learn. Let's continue learning. And then so on and so forth. But I was like, no, let's do it now. Let's do it now. This is the time. There's so many opportunities in front of us. And then finally she called me and said, yeah, well, I just quitted my job. Now we can start our own company. Let's do it.
1: All right. Cool to hear that you actually pushed your friend into founding together. But I mean, if it was the time right then, it sounds very cool.
2: Yeah, sounds like a great way to find your co-founder. So Anna, since our audience is quite young and most of us are students as well, we were wondering, would you recommend young university graduates to do it the way you did you told us a lot about how you benefited from rocket and what you learned there right would you do it again like this or what would you recommend young university graduates after finishing university
0: so i do believe that collecting like one or two years of experience in the startup scene makes a lot of sense because you just learn how things go, you can build up your network, Um, you can uh, meet potential co-founders, you can uh, screen your ideas and find people who are challenging your ideas. So I do think it makes a lot of sense to first spend like two to three years maybe in the startup scene. I do think it makes much more sense to really work for a young startup instead of working for one of the consultancies. Because I now see so many people who are now working um, for us at Planetly, for example, or as well, like before at Outfittery, who have done like the consultancy track first, did this for five years to then find out they are not super happy anymore and then went into the startup scene. So I think when you think about founding your own company at some point it makes a lot of sense to put a foot into the scene as soon as possible after university
2: yeah that's a really interesting opinion because so many times i've also heard yeah consulting is great it really prepares you for your life and whatever you want to do afterwards
0: but yeah really interesting insight there I, I always called my times at Rocket kind of a startup MBA or a startup consultancy <laughs> or whatever. So it was nice because like in these two years there, I've seen, I think, four or five businesses altogether. I'm sure the consultancies aren't happy about me saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think like really working on the real shit from the very beginning makes a lot of sense and you don't need to, to do this way via consultancy.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, by, by now the startup scene did develop quite a lot, I would say. So is there something comparable to Rocket right now? Like, would you say it makes sense to go to a VC or is Rocket still the place to be? <laughs>
0: Don't go to a VC if you want to found your own company, because this is a completely different kind of working, right? You are analyzing, but you're not really operationally. You're not making your hands dirty. You're only having an overview of the market. But I do think what makes most sense is to really pick a startup, which is quite small still. So early stage startup and Mm -hmm. not as well a later stage, because I mean, at some point the startups do not really feel like startups anymore, right? If they've passed like the whatever 200 employee line. So find a funny young company in a field that you like and then go in there and maybe make clear from the very beginning that you want to see different departments, that you don't just want to work in marketing or just don't want to work in product management, for example, but really are able then to change departments and see a lot of things. So you don't necessarily need to find an incubator. I think an early stage startup gives you all the learnings as well.
1: Cool. So you actually did found Outfittery back then, which was a fashion startup recommending fashion to men, uh, especially, and kind of, iterating on their style and also proposing new outfits and then you did that and then you actually took a break and you had your first child so after that you decided to found again what made you want to found again why not stick to outfittery
0: so i do think these are two different questions (laughs) to be honest so maybe first on why leaving outfittery after six years i i had my first child while I was still at Outfittery, and I returned to the office very quickly after giving birth to my first daughter. But then I decided to, six months later, take three months off to go traveling with my husband and my daughter. And luckily, parenthood is something that you can prepare for. So we prepared everything for that, we hired more people on the team, and then, Being away for three months showed me that I'm not needed there anymore, that they're running very fine without me. And what was a strange thought in the beginning turned out to give me a lot of freedom to ask myself as well if this is still the place where I belong and if this is still the place where I'm best at And I'm a huge believer in focusing on the strengths and not on the weaknesses. So focusing on what you're already strong at. And that is then really something that I came to realize that I'm a builder and I'm strong in building something out of nothing. And outfittery back then with 250 employees, seventh year in business, already a lot of customers, a lot of processes and so on didn't felt for me really as the perfect environment for me to use the strengths of building. But as I valued my co-founder a lot, and Julia has been a great partner in crime for all these years, yeah, so we discussed this very openly and found a good solution and came to a very good end. But yeah, for me, the bottom line was that there needs to be something new in my life where I can really put on and build on the strengths of building again.
2: Then maybe one last question before we move on to Planetly finally. Was there any big mistake you made at Outfittery that you think helped you substantially
0: in the long run? I mean, I do think all mistakes can be helpful if you use them wisely, if you take the time to reflect and identify them as mistakes and then learn from that. I do think way too often we're just like, running over our mistakes and hope no one sees them right including ourselves and we are really missing the opportunity to learn from them do you think overall throughout these years i learned a lot when it comes to people management and building a culture and this is maybe something that at outfittery i underestimated and now i do see how important it is to have a great Culture. So, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? So, I think Churchill said that, and this is so true. So, if you want to build something uh, that remains and that remains when you're not in the room, for example, like now by a COVID, right? Then you need a culture, much more important than a strategy. Yeah, for
2: sure.
1: Okay, so then maybe, as I already said, now let's move on to your next project of building something out of nothing, which is Planetly. So you came to the conclusion you're especially good at building something, but why Planetly? What was your motivation to found a climate startup? Was it a business case for you? Was it an idealistic thought? And how came that shift after having found Outfittery?
0: So I think my motivation was both. And this is as well my hypothesis that people don't want to choose anymore if they are pursuing a job with a purpose or if they're earning money. And we need to build the systems to bring both together because the best people don't want to choose. They want both. I was very clear that I want to invest my time into something with a huge purpose because having two children, I have a really good alternative on spending my time, right? Because every hour that I'm in the office, I cannot spend with them. So I knew I want to do something that has a real purpose for me and knew I want to do something that leaves the world in a better shape. I looked at As well, some other things, for example, meat alternatives. So protein, meat and things like that was very interested in that space as well. So I was very clear that I want to pursue something with a strong purpose at heart. And then at the same time, I very much believe in entrepreneurship and I very much believe in business as well and in for profit companies as well, because they are just scaling so much better than nonprofit companies. If you need to turn around like every euro that you've got from charity before you think about how to spend it, how to hire the best people, spend a marketing budget and so on, that, that is hard. I mean, I have a, a huge respect of everyone who made it in, in the nonprofit space, but I just don't think it scales that well. So I very much believe in entrepreneurship and innovation and in business and for-profit companies so I was very clear that I want to combine both and that's why with Planetly I always say we are a for-purpose for-profit company and the concrete idea for Planetly came when I pledged in an initiative called Leaders for Climate Action and I pledged to know my personal footprint and as well the footprint of my company and to reduce and offset my footprint. So I tried to find out what Outfittery's footprint was and quickly dealt with a consultant with an Excel sheet who ran around the company and asked us a lot of questions. And I was like, wait a second. So if the current footprint is the most important KPI of humanity of the century, why are we only using Excel for that? Why don't we have a better way to track these data as we are tracking all our other financial KPIs as well with the best systems that we have. And yeah, this idea stuck with me. And then after our tutoring, I took a year off, I had another child. And when I then started thinking about what's next, I used to come back to this idea and I used to get really excited about pursuing a huge purpose, fighting the climate crisis and following a big business opportunity at the same time.
1: Which is, I think, a really strong combination, if that works out. So we really love what you do there Planetly. One thing that would interest me, because especially in CDTM, purpose is a word that is used quite often. But frankly, I think everybody has an own definition for it. What does purpose mean for you?
0: Purpose is kind of very in-fashion word. I think there isn't a single corporate these days which did not like have a strong purpose statement somewhere on their about us page. And I mean, that is okay. I think everyone needs to find if this is really something that you individually feel as being purposeful or can accept as a purpose and if this is really a purpose that is close to your heart or if it's just some random purpose, whatever, right? I mean, Facebook has as well a strong purpose, connecting people, or I I don't know their exact purpose statement, right? But I think it's really individual if you need to see if this is a purpose that matters to you or maybe not. And I think this, you know, and, and everyone can feel this. So I'd say the definition of purpose is what is really close to your heart.
2: Yeah, makes sense. I think this is also the reason why we ask uh, so much there, because it's really interesting. And I think you see it quite frequently that founders or generally people in their careers start off without really searching this purpose. And then at some point they do. So this is why we also question this idealistic so much, because then it really sounds like you actually started to think about, OK, what do I want to spend my time on?
0: Yeah, and I once attended a workshop with a great monk, and he did a thought experiment with us. And he said, like, okay, so if you have 10 years to live from now, what would you do? You're probably doing this and that. And then at some point he said, okay, and now imagine you have six months to live from now. What would you do? And then he even got further and said, like, okay, imagine now you have a week to live from now. What would you do? Probably you would not attend this workshop anymore, and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this thought experiment really helps in shortening your horizon in terms of time and say, okay, so let's assume we do not have 80 years in front of us or 60 years in front of us, but let's assume we only have like five years in front of us, 10 years from from now, what would you spend your time on? And I think that helps to get to that point.
2: Yeah. So I think a question that fits perfectly here is, would you then found Outfittery again?
0: <laughs> 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 you know, for me, Outfittery back then was perfect, but I was a different person back then. And it was different times. We need to say this as well, right? Sustainability was much less of a topic than today. We were much less aware of the climate crisis and what we do with this planet. The scientists already back then tried to tell us, but we weren't really listening, right? Not to a big extent. So back then, it was perfect for me, and I wouldn't want to miss this journey and all these years with Julia, and today I probably wouldn't find it again.
2: Yeah, also, as you said, climate change is something that is very present at this moment. And I think now with Planetly, you're an expert in this area. So how do you think, should we create our careers as like really just at the beginning of it to have an impact and tackle uh, the climate crisis? I guess this question has two different sides to it. So on one hand, of course, it's the industry, which you already mentioned. So you were considering also food, for example, and now you you went rather in climate tech and offsetting and also then which career. So as you said, entrepreneurship has great impact, but it could
0: also be something else, right? I mean, yes, regarding the industries, food is definitely a huge space which needs so much innovation and disruption as well. I'm currently doing a vegan January. I'm doing this uh, once per year in order to see what's new on the market and what other vegan options are out there. And it is such a huge step up from last year, I feel. Like last year, it still felt as being, I very much need to limit myself being vegan for a month which is absolutely not the case anymore. I feel like, wow, that's super tasty and great. And there's so many alternatives and there's so much more space to grow and such a huge opportunity because this is still only a few percent of the population turning vegan. So I, I do think food is huge industry. Other huge industry is everything around agriculture, like a subsegment of food, how we are doing our agriculture today It's just not sustainable. We just cannot pursue doing it as we're doing it today. So the whole topic of regenerative agriculture and how are we feeding the planet in a more sustainable and regenerative way is a super interesting field that we definitely need more people in. And then a third thing, and this is something that we've now like observing for many, many years, including myself, that good people are not going into politics anymore. But this is a problem because politics is still extremely important. And we do see as well in other countries in the world where it leads if you have the the assholes sitting on top of a nation, right? So we need more good people in politics to really change something. And we need to stop this talent drag from politics.
2: That sounds like quite a controversial statement. What do you think is that?
0: Because it's hard to find your way up until you really have something to say. You need to be active for a long time. I'm not a huge politician expert because I for myself I always found not being very good in internal and external politics so I'm very straight always in what I think and this is not always the best skill for politics but I do think it's quite a long way that you need to go until you really can change something if you go by the parties and I do observe some interesting movements currently now which are thinking about can't we maybe have more influence not being part of one of the parties but being partai laws right and what can i do as such and how can i increase my influence as such not serving in one of the parties for 20 years before i have something to say and yeah it's a real talent problem that politics has
1: how do you see what is the role of entrepreneurship in regards to politics do you think like a collaboration would work there or What are other approaches than going the traditional way of joining a party?
0: I do definitely think that there is a huge part for entrepreneurship. So the whole space of government tech. And there are some startups who already made it to basically develop awesome tech solutions for the government and for the public sector. And by this really helping digitalization, helping people to be able to, to be in direct communication with the politicians. So I think the GovTech is a hard space probably, but as well a very promising one. Because once you have the customer government, this customer will stick with you. <laughs> so this could be quite attractive.
1: It's especially true of contracts, if the contracts run for like several decades probably.
0: Absolutely.
2: And you know, they can never change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Anna. So, moving on to our last block. You are very engaged in this whole female leadership topic and we would be super interested in how you perceive it did you maybe face any obstacles or differences founding as a woman or maybe even advantages i mean we know that germany still only has about 15 percent of female founders and although this question might already annoy you i think it is still interesting since you're one of the few
0: yeah I mean I always knew I cannot change that <laughs> one of the few and I learned to use this attention that I got through being the only woman on stage being the only woman on the table and so on and so forth and use this attention for me and for my businesses. So I in the end try to make the best always out of the situation and my feeling is that it is changing a lot that there are more and more really strong women who want to found their own companies But then looking at the numbers, the numbers are really stagnating for years now. So I'm asking myself what I did wrong in terms of not inspiring more women to found their own businesses, because they can just say it's awesome and and go for it, do it. In my opinion, everyone below 30 should found a company and above 30 as well. But everyone should found their first company below 30.
1: Okay, so we have to hurry up a bit to found the company quickly. But Would you say you are actively trying to encourage more women to found or are you just like you as a woman you found and there should be encouragement enough proving that it works?
0: I mean, of course, I'm super happy to be on panels and keynotes on that topic and so on and so forth, like telling my story and I'm encouraging them to do so. And I'm active as well in in some circles, which is like supporting women who are at the very beginning and so on and so forth. But I actually do believe that being a role model there to a certain extent should help as well. And yeah. So every year when I see the female founders monitor, I'm kind of devastated again, why the numbers do not go up more than they do.
1: Do you have an explanation why that could be? Why the numbers are stagnating?
0: No, I don't know me I don't know quite a lot of women are coming to me and say like ah I do have an idea could you check out my business case or could you check out my pitch deck and then I do so and then what I see is a lot of them being really conservative when it comes to the business planning right being really realistic but realistic assumptions most of the time isn't what the investors want they want the big push they want the big cases so I do believe to a certain extent it would be good if women become a little bit bolder, maybe on that side in order to receive more venture capital. Yeah.
1: Okay, so maybe if we're already on the side of tips, let's do move to our last segment, which is uh, our toolbox. We do ask these questions every guest and kind of want like a short answer on your favorites. So the first question would here be, what is a book everybody should read?
0: Um, Principles by Ray Dalio.
1: Okay. And what is an app everybody should download?
0: Mm, Headspace.
1: Okay, cool. This is actually one that we've heard before as well. Are you using it regularly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool.
0: Or maybe a second app, Signal, and to switch from WhatsApp to Signal.
1: Uh Okay. Yeah. All right, let's get this movement started, I would say. Okay, what is a podcast you love listening to?
0: Mm, 1.5 Degree, 1,5 Grad uh, by Luisa Neubauer.
1: Which is uh, actually quite a new one, I think. It started November or something. Yeah. And what is the routine uh, that you follow?
0: So I'm actively managing my inbox by... Having my inbox only open for a few hours a day and really planning when to check and answer emails and not having it just open all time. Plus, I do have deactivated all push notifications on my mobile and I'm really trying to yeah, focus instead of being focused <laughs> by the apps and services.
1: That sounds uh, actually really helpful. So what is the best time to reach you then?
0: (laughs) In the morning.
1: (laughs) All right. So last question is, who is an innovator that you would say everybody should know?
0: I mean, I love Elon Musk, I must say. When I went traveling with my daughter and my husband, I had a chance to uh, visit Tesla and the whole small female circle there. And it was fantastic to see the energy. I haven't met him, but yeah, I think quite a role model for me, to be honest.
2: Nice. Yeah, I, th- I think many people can. So thank you so much, Anna. We're already at the end of this podcast and it was super exciting to hear your insights and really interesting how you think about certain things. We really enjoyed your opinions and also talking a bit about purpose there. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you. It was a nice session.
1: All right, Lisa, this was indeed a nice session. So after listening to the episode once more, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think one of the most fascinating aspects for me was probably that I feel like Anna really has this kind of drive. And especially when she, for example, took the initiative and really convinced Julia sort of to found together. So I guess this is something that is really so necessary in entrepreneurship and like really knowing what she wants and this really stuck out to me.
1: I would be interested to hear what Julia has to say to this. Actually. <laughs> me too. But
2: I assume she would agree. I assume they quite know each other very well. And then also the second aspect was the consulting and being a bit critical there because for me, like being a management student, I think consulting or venture capital are such typical ways to go after finishing to study. And I like that she... Questions this a bit and actually questions if you should really go for the career path with the highest reputation if you want to found, because this doesn't always make sense. And yeah, I like that she sort of challenged no. this idea.
1: <laughs> All right, no wonder for me here, <laughs> as we've talked about this before. <laughs> but yeah, true, it's a good point she made. Yeah, I think for me, it was also like two things that she really said okay, at a fittery, I'm not really that needed anymore, and I think that's actually a great leadership quality. I mean, I'm not an expert on this, but I could imagine, like, making yourself replaceable is actually a good thing, mm. and that, like, similar to Nino, actually, that she realized, okay, my party is done now, and now I move on. I think that's super cool, and uh, yeah, the second point is that she really now tries to align purpose with profit. I think that's a cool concept and allows you to have both, and I do think it's super important that we do have a purpose in, in our work. Mm-hmm. And this is something more and more people feel and I really strive for. And the concept she introduces, I think, is really one way to tackle it. Mm. And I'm uh, super excited to what she told us about
2: yeah. it. And also that she doesn't make a secret out of this profit perspective and that she is super open with yeah, entrepreneurship and business just being great for innovation and that this is also part of her company and not only purpose, picturing herself as this like person who knows it all, but rather really saying things as they are. So yeah, really, really cool talk, I would say. We, of course, hope that you our listeners enjoyed it as much as we did and as always you can reach us under podcast at cdtm.de we're answering to every email and then looking forward to our next guest
1: yes our next guest is dan ram he's actually uh a event host and uh, life coach and when we talked to him it was really really struck out how well he can speak like you could really tell okay this is what he does for a living but at the same time he's super relatable and super nice and this is also one of my favorite episodes so far so stay tuned and we'll see you back in two weeks We'll be right back. back.